Hi, and welcome to the third episode of the How To Grad School podcast. My name is Sarah Davis. Hello, I'm Rebecca Edwards. Today we're coming to you from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen peoples and the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. This is also known as Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about understanding tasks and their importance in grad school, a question about staying in a master's degree or changing to a PhD, and two hot tips about analyzing tasks. So to get us started on our kind of research section, um, we're talking today about task understanding. And task understanding is part of um, self-regulated learning, which we talked about in our last episode. And um, self-regulated learning is a holistic learning theory where students think about and regulate their actions, feelings, thoughts, motivation, and mental health while learning. So basically taking a really strategic approach to, um, to learning. I'm going to pass it over to Sarah to talk a little bit about task understanding. So task understanding is something that we could spend many podcasts talking about. And certainly there have been many moments in grad school where you're working on something or I'm getting something done and I'm facing a challenge and I don't know what to do. And then it's like, oh, it's because I did not spend enough time understanding the task. So I feel like it became kind of a joke in our research lab that whenever you were having a challenge, the root of it was always your task understanding or that you didn't have good enough task understanding of what you were doing. Absolutely. I totally totally agree with that um, statement. I think challenge episodes really point out when there's like a miscalibration um, between kind of what you know about the task and what you're actually doing. Definitely. Yep. And so it just was this just a joke that just continues to this day. And I think especially now as a instructor at the university, this is something that I'm always thinking about with my undergrad students um, as well. So when we are talking about tasks, um, there really are two sources of information for our task understanding. So we rely on external information and internal information about tasks. So for example, for external information, that's anything that is maybe written down. So any sort of policies or guidelines, it could be in a syllabus, um, any sort of guidebook for grad students, maybe on criteria for your program or for a thesis or the structure, anything like that. It also has to do with dates or deadlines or grading. So external information is really anything that's coming from someone else, and it's usually um, written down or you're able to access it. Internal information about tasks, obviously coming from yourself, that's really uh, things around your beliefs. So your beliefs about how you've done on tasks that are similar to that one. And it also includes your past experiences and your prior knowledge. And so I think for graduate students in particular, most of the time, not all the time, we've been pretty successful at school to get where we've gotten to. And so we may have had really good past experiences or good beliefs about ourselves as students, but I think this can actually um, kind of create some problems in grad school when we do come up with challenges with tasks. 
Absolutely. Um, so as you go into a task, kind of thinking about what you already know about the task and what kind of external pieces of information you can gather about the task can set you up to be to be more successful in understanding what it is you need to do. When you're thinking about tasks, so this was kind of one of the first of the three steps that we talked about in our last episode. So so this idea that when you're self-regulating your learning, there are three parts. You start off with the task, then you move on to goals, then you move on to strategies. So when you're thinking of a task, so you might need to start analyzing what that task is. And there's really three parts of that task analysis. So the first is looking at the explicit understanding of the task. So we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but this is any information about the task, rules, guidelines, usually written down somewhere, or maybe you've taken um, some notes on it in a class or a meeting with an advisor. Then you have implicit information. Implicit information is a little bit trickier because this is any information that's kind of between the lines. So it might be something that you've implied or it might be something that was implied to you, or maybe someone has just assumed that you knew this part of the information. And then there's also socio-contextual information. This is um, things that have to do with yourself, so those experiences and those beliefs. But this is also information that might be relevant to your discipline, your program, and it can often be domain-specific. This information about task understanding is coming from Hadwin 2006. So an example of a time where having poor task understanding can kind of stand out to you. Um, so I'm thinking of this time where I was going to a hockey party with my hockey team, and we had received an email with instructions that we were going to be doing um, like a, a gift exchange. So everyone was to bring a pair of socks, and we would play a game where um, you would kind of rotate and then you'd be able to pick what socks you wanted. So it was kind of a way to have like a universal gift that's useful, but, you know, kind of takes the pressure off of coming up with an idea. And it was in December, so it's always a busy time of the semester. And I show up to the party and everyone else except for one other person and myself had wrapped the socks. So I had used Christmas paper to wrap the socks and this was one of those moments where I was like, oh, if I would have just thought for a second or put some time into it, I would have realized, okay, the, the host didn't say anything about the socks needing to be wrapped, but that's kind of implied information that if you're going to a Christmas party and you're doing a gift exchange, that in general, the gifts are wrapped. And so that was just kind of a funny example of when, you know, maybe I didn't really pay attention to the implicit or socio-contextual information of this gift exchange because I was in a rush, I was busy, and I just focused on buying the socks, and then that was it. And I, I think that um, probably the students or our graduate students who are listening to this episode, we've probably all been in this situation and I definitely have in regards to schoolwork where you kind of show up to a class um, and you think that you've done what you needed to do and then you see what other people have prepared and you're like, oh, 
Interesting. I definitely didn't do that, but it seems like that's what I should have done. <laughs> definitely. Yes, there's there's many moments I'm sure we can all share. And so those would be kind of some issues with task understanding. So if we look at a couple of research studies, so there isn't really studies that have been done with graduate students, but Miller, um, 2009, in her study of undergraduate students found that students that had better task understanding had better performance. Another study from Oshije 2009, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name right, but it's spelled O-S-H-I-G-E, found that undergraduate students had more trouble with tasks that came with more vague instructions. And so when you're thinking of being a graduate student, especially when you get to your thesis or dissertation, those are tasks that often don't have a lot of specific instructions. You can look at samples, there may be some policies or some guidebooks, but they don't often tell you how to write a thesis or they don't tell you about the process of writing a thesis. So it's no wonder that this phase of a graduate degree can be so troublesome. Yeah, it's absolutely um, a kind of a phase where you probably do want a lot of spend a lot of time developing your task understanding before you actually dive into writing your thesis. So what do other theses in your discipline look like? What um, what uh, do you have students in your lab written for their theses? Um, so there, there is kind of a whole task understanding kind of evaluation that you should be doing kind of at the very beginning of your thesis writing process and probably for each of your chapters. So making sure you really understand what you need to do before you actually start doing it will save you tons of time, tons and tons of time and a lot of stress as well. I'm sure that lots of people have had this experience, but I definitely, when I handed in the um, the first chapter of my thesis, like the like my I think my thesis supervisor looked at it and was like, "Oh dear, you did not understand <laughs> what it was you you needed to do." And in fact, I remember a very specific um, situation in which I had a meeting with my um, thesis supervisor and also um, my uh, committee members, and I had sent them something beforehand, which was not at all what I was supposed to have sent and it was like, like awfully embarrassing so I was like oh no I did it wrong <laughs> yep yep absolutely yeah yeah and so I think that like Becca said looking at examples can be a really good way to increase your understanding of the task um, so that you know what the product looks like and then for the actual process that's where it's really useful to talk to former grad students current grad students any peers you know, if there's writing groups on campus, anything so that you can share those ideas and see what other people are doing to help you with that. All right. So I think we're going to jump into our question. I am in the first year of a thesis-based master's program. My supervisor has suggested that my thesis proposal and grades are good enough to instead transfer directly to a PhD program. I am leaning towards dropping the master's and pursuing the PhD instead. I'm very interested in my research topic, and I can go so many different directions with it, and I do want to explore the topic from many different angles. However, because of the breadth of the topic and me wanting to seemingly cover everything, there is a huge risk of me overwhelming myself. Even if I don't pursue the PhD, there is a risk of becoming overwhelmed. What are some ways I can allow myself to let go of certain opportunities and research paths 
and come to terms with that so I don't overwhelm myself knowing that I really do want to pursue them all. So um, from this listener's question, um, it seems that there's a whole bunch of different things going on. So the kind of the questions that I pull out was um, one question is, should I should I do a Ph.D.? Another question is, um, how do I let go of particular opportunities and research paths? And how do I come to terms with my decision? And then also, how can I avoid being overwhelmed? So there's there's a whole bunch of different pieces that we could talk about. And maybe the first place um, for us to talk is, um, should I do a PhD? So Sarah, you have done a PhD. Any advice for our listener? Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. There's there's so many questions that are a part of this. And I think that starting first with this idea of is a PhD even something that you want to do? So for me, when I did my master's degree, I worked for, I think, three years between my undergrad and my master's degree. And in my master's degree, certainly some of the professors were talking about or suggesting that I go straight into a PhD after that or things like that. But the reason, the main reason why I didn't at that time was because the professor who I admired the most, who is a mentor to me to this day, had worked in education for about 20 years in between her master's degree and her PhD. And I just found that I learned the most from her. And I felt that if I was going to do a PhD, I didn't have enough experience in education because that is my field, that I didn't have enough experience in that field to research topics. And so that was, you know, maybe hard to, uh, you know, kind of address at the time, but I knew that I wanted to do a PhD and I just felt that I needed to take the time to get more work experience before I did that. Absolutely. I think that I made the decision to to do a PhD and then I was unable to pursue the PhD that I had decided to do um, because of COVID and then a couple of health concerns that I had. Um, but I think when I was making the decision about whether or not to do the PhD, I was I tried to be really strategic and talk to um, other graduate students who had completed um, PhDs in my field and then also with the um, supervisor that I was potentially going to be working with. And I think that um, doing that type of research, and Sarah, you mentioned your mentor and kind of appreciating the fact that that mentor had lived experience in the field and kind of wanting to kind of follow suit. I think talking to others and kind of seeing, um, is the PhD in your field valuable? Like, would it be more valuable to get lived experience? Um, did um, did others who worked with the supervisor you're considering, um, did they find their PhD experience to, to be successful? Um, so kind of those types of things are things that you might want to consider. So it's not a question that you should answer in isolation. Um, and also deciding to do a PhD, you could really, really want to do a PhD, and it might not be strategically the right decision at that particular point in time. And so I think that um, realizing that wanting to do a PhD doesn't mean that you should do a PhD is maybe a place to start. So and then gathering pieces of information like what what would this do for me? Would it move me forward in my career? What would this do for me personally? Would it would I find it rewarding? Kind of kind of that type of piece. And, and maybe you just really want to do a PhD, and maybe that's enough for you. Yeah. And so I think for me, kind of 
like what you're saying, Becca, is that some people that you talk to about this may want you to really focus on, well, what are you going to do with a PhD or what are the career options or, you know, think about what you want to do as the end point. But I think that that will potentially change as you go through a program. So when I came into my PhD program, I kept all of my options open because I knew that the process of doing a master's, I was a very different person when I started my master's to the end of my master's. And so my career goals and what I wanted to do changed in the two years of my master's. So I went into my PhD with that same expectation. So I was keeping all of my options open. And so for the first three years, I was building my CV and making everything look like, you know, that I could go into academia and potentially do a postdoc or be a professor. But about three years in, I realized that I was interested most in being self-employed. And that was something I had never thought about before doing a PhD. So I think it can be helpful to think about kind of that end point. Um, but it's not necessary if you're okay with doing a PhD for the sake of doing a PhD, or if you want to just um, take your time with it and figure out what happens as you as you go along. The next kind of piece that I wanted to talk about is this piece about um, the fact that this listener has a, a variety of research interests and kind of in regards to a specific topic and kind of want, wants to explore um, kind of all of those different pieces. And um, it sounds to me like this person... Um, potentially has a program of research that they could do over like the long term. And that that would fit well with doing a PhD and kind of continuing in research. Um, but it also could be a piece where that person might kind of do lifelong learning in regards to that particular topic. So there's a variety of ways to explore the topic and kind of move forward with it. Um, but it's at this point in time, the, the listener is in a master's program and may potentially need to let go of particular opportunities and research paths. And even if you do a PhD, you can't take it all on at one time and you may need to let go of particular opportunities and research paths. And how to decide what is the right thing to let go of and what's the right thing to kind of um, to follow through, I think has has quite a bit to do with task understanding. If you, if you kind of jump back and think about um, what does it mean to write a PhD and what does it mean to to write a master's um, thesis. So what do those two different things mean? Um, there are certain types of research questions that you can answer in a PhD, and there are certain types of research questions you can answer in a master's program. And then there are other things that are too broad. So I think knowing what it means to do either type of those degrees might help you to easily cut out particular opportunities in particular research paths because maybe it just doesn't fit into what it means to be, uh, to be that particular type of student. Yeah, and I think that, you know, thinking about those opportunities, it sound like it sounds like this person is very engaged and also kind of excited about where they are. And I think that that is a part of being in grad school that sometimes gets overlooked because there are so many aspects that can be overwhelming and that can be challenging. But I think there is a lot of excitement and curiosity and joy that people get out of being in grad school. And so I think if that's where some of this overwhelm is coming from is because you feel like you have so many options and that there are so many opportunities that spending some time kind of figuring out what those are or writing them down or talking about people because those 
kind of beliefs and experiences, those are kind of some of that socio-contextual information about tasks are really about your own experience and your own beliefs. Those might be really helpful for you to spend time talking about or thinking about or writing about because you may need to come back to those as you go through doing a master's and a PhD. And those can be really helpful to you know, help you persevere during some of the tougher times that may come. Yeah, and I um another piece, uh, maybe in regards to the fact that you can't, just can't do everything and coming to terms with your decisions about what you do and what you don't do, um, it can be helpful. And this isn't something that I did during my master's degree, but I wish I had um, following my master's degree when I was trying to decide kind of what my um, career path would be. Um, I worked with a career coach and we talked a little bit about developing um, like your personal uh, like your personal statement, like what it, what it is you want in your life. I, she had a, she used a particular word and I can't remember what it was, but like what it is that you are about and what it is that you want in your life and, um, using that to help you make decisions. Um, even if something appears to be really like a strategic, really awesome choice on like the surface, but, um, maybe it doesn't actually match with what your, like your goals and your life purpose is, which also goes back to task and Understanding. But um, if it if it doesn't match, then it's not necessarily the right choice for you. So I, I had a couple of really like awesome opportunities that I could have pursued in my career. And because they didn't necessarily match with what um, my life goals or what I needed in order to be like a happy, fulfilled person, I let go of those things. So maybe spending some a little bit of time to think like, what it what is it that I want in my life? And what is it that I'm working towards kind of in, in the world? And do how do those um, opportunities and how do those kind of research pieces fit with that um, personal kind of statement? Um, and maybe it is that a particular kind of research path, um, like for example, if you're like really interested in supporting the environment, um, and maybe a particular research path um, has some sort of particular um, influence that might help something in environmental conservation. And maybe you're like, oh yeah, that is definitely the research path for me because it moves forward my life um, purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe this comes back to kind of the decision between or, you know, something that you're thinking about is should you, you know, go directly to a PhD or finish the master's. And I think that spending some time kind of figuring out what those research topics are and what you want to do with them. So are you wanting to kind of stay in that research lens? Are you are you thinking about academia? Are you looking at non-academic careers? Because if you're really not sure, that could be something that you can be more purposeful about. So it could look like doing a co-op or making sure that you do get work experience because you may find that doing research in a non-academic career is more fulfilling to you and you just had never thought about it. Or you may find that going into academia is really where you want to focus your time and energy. And so talking to people who have gone on those various career paths, talking to current and former grad students, so that you can kind of understand what their decision process was like and how they made those decisions. And I think, again, this goes back to there are, there's there can be, I think it's very easy to become overwhelmed with all the opportunities once you are doing a graduate degree. Um, but figuring out how you can say yes or no to those various opportunities can be a challenge within itself. 
Yep. And then um, once you have said yes or no, trusting that you made the decision that you made for a particular reason and you were strategic about that decision-making process and just trusting trusting that you, your past self did its best for your future self and um, maybe like letting go of some of that, that concern that um, you didn't make the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that for me in general, and I know this isn't, you know, necessarily the best fit for everyone because it depends on where you're living in the world and so many personal circumstances, but I'm always a big advocate of having work experience in between degrees. Yeah. I think that that is something that, especially now with, um, you know, the academic job market just being so incredibly competitive paired with so many amazing opportunities in industry that um, having work experience outside of the academy is so valuable for so many different reasons. And one of them is to maybe get some perspective on some of these things so that you can maybe feel more certain with your decision. So say if you just did a master's degree, um, well, it's not just. If you if you face that challenge of doing a master's degree and complete it, that having a few years to work or to do other things before doing a PhD is, I think, a really good um, path to consider as well. Yeah. Um, doing a PhD is a, a really big time commitment, and you'll want to make sure that you're being strategic about your choice to do, to do that PhD. Yeah, because, um, and I'll put the link to this article in the session notes, but some of the reading that I've done on completion of PhDs is that roughly half of all PhD students who enter their programs do not finish within seven years. And so I think that if you want to be one of the 50% who finish, making sure that your reasons for doing it have been well thought out and um that you've done that time and that thinking and that consulting with other people so that, yeah, that you do feel okay with that decision. And then I think that also helps with making sure that you won't be overwhelmed because you will have picked your research uh, path more particularly. Mm -hmm. There's tons that we can talk about in regards to that question, but I think we've done our best to give you a few things to think about and maybe we'll jump into our hot tips. So we have two hot tips for you today in terms of task analysis. And in these hot tips, it's really talking about kind of different levels of task analysis that you can do. So for the first hot tip, the actual concrete task in front of you is one level of task analysis. So that could be your thesis, writing a paper, a conference proposal, even writing an email, a really important email. So think about the explicit, implicit, and socio-contextual information about that task. And Oshije 2009 talks about that ill-structured tasks and tasks with poor or few instructions are the best time to engage in a task analysis. For the second hot tip, this is at a, a little bit of a different level of task. So for example, the bigger picture of grad school, being in grad school. So asking yourself questions about the different task information, for example, like why are you in grad school? What do you want to get out of it? What are your strengths and weaknesses as a student and as a person? What are your goals? What are your challenges? What does your advisor want for you? What is important in your field? 
And I think spending time being metacognitive and engaging in task analysis at that bigger level of grad school is really important because you have to know why you are doing what you're doing, why you're doing this degree. And I think this is that change between undergrad and grad school because grad school does have that bigger or for most most master's programs and many PhDs have a very big self-directed component. And we'll talk about motivation um, definitely in upcoming podcasts. But I think engaging in metacognition and really thinking about the task of being in grad school is a really valuable thing for you to do. And it is a source of motivation. And I'll, I'll just pop in and say that when we say the term metacognition, we're talking about um, thinking about your own thinking. Yeah, and it's the quality of your thoughts and the standards and all of those things. So spending time thinking about those things and thinking about your behavior and your thinking is a really big part of understanding a task. As a teaser for the question that we'll answer on our next podcast, the question is about time management, which is a concern for many grad students. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening and please do stay in touch. You can subscribe and rate our podcast so other grad students can can find it Um, and visit our website at howtogradschool.com where you can sign up for our free webinar and newsletter. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at howtogradschool. All right. Well, thanks again. Bye. Bye.